This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. How do you know it's not the hottest show in the universe? No, we went through this before. Did we? I, I'm, I set my sights. To the galaxy. We got to be the hottest show in the galaxy, and then we... You work your way up. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, so there's a local group, and then the super cluster, and then the gal- then the universe. Okay, and then the hottest show in the multiverse. Oh! oh! Now, in the multiverse, am I evil on the other side? Because I'm good on this side. There's every version of you on the other side. Every version? Yeah, yeah. Just stick with the one you have now. I Just, like this one. Yeah, you're fine. No one's going to take it from you. No, I, I, I <laughs> don't think so, Neil. So let me welcome to the show. He is the author of a new book. It's called Letters from an Astrophysicist, and he is actually an astrophysicist. Yeah. Neil yeah. deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Okay, you, you got to pause. Oh, there's applause. Oh, yeah, sorry. Don't worry. Don't yeah, okay. put those on. That's fine. Uh, you, you have an applause button. Yeah, we do. We got to okay. make sure you feel like you you know, like you know, came into something that you're special. If it happens with a button, that doesn't work. Listen, listen. <laughs> we made it happen, so All therefore right. it is. We've had many, many conversations. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you remember, but we've talked about this before. I did. We did a, uh, a tour of the Hayton Planetarium mm. when it first opened, mm. and you were our tour guide mm. when I was at the New York Daily News. Okay, I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. and it hadn't opened yet, and you even were gracious enough because I had started a magazine to allow me to film uh, Rebecca Lobo in the planetarium before it opened and it was a beautiful cover shot with her around all of the planets and it was dope and you were an amazing human being but we had a little bit of discussion because there's this beautiful um um video of the big bang you sit in the chairs mm-hmm. and it's back and then the, everything comes at you and it's like uh you're, better than universal you're immersed in the universe yes. yes and it feels amazing like you're actually watching mm-hmm. the world come into formation mm-hmm. and afterwards we had a discussion about the big bang mm-hmm. and i asked you a question i'm gonna keep asking it till i get an answer that satisfies well i'd have to have said okay all right, i'll all try right. again so you said the big bang happened and that's how we got the world the universe yeah the universe yeah okay break down the difference because we're the highest show in the galaxy there's the world oh, oh, oh. So, oh, the world so, is right here this earth a world can mean anything of any size so world is fine let's go with world okay the world is more than just earth in that context world capital w Capital W. Everything that exists, we can call the world. Okay. Uh huh. How'd you get into this? Before I get back to that other question, how it was what, a visit what? to the Hayden Planetarium when what? I was a kid. Okay. When I was you nine were years raised old. in New York. You grew raised, up in New York. I'm born in the Bronx. The Bronx. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, uh, I it became as a family trip. I was nine years old, and I think the universe chose me in that moment. I had no say in the matter. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Uh, was it one particular, you walked past Uranus and there? Uranus, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> on purpose. So, was there one moment? No, I did not walk past Uranus. Right. No. So I was sitting in the planetarium theater and the lights dim and the stars come out and it's, I was starstruck by it. And I've never been the same. And I, uh, it took me two years to realize you can do that as a grown-up. As a profession? As a profession. So from age 11 onward, I had an answer to that annoying question that adults always ask kids, which is... What are you going to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? And I said astrophysicist. And that usually stopped the conversation. Because most people didn't know what the hell that was. Yeah, if you said, I want to be a lawyer, oh, and Betty's a lawyer. You know, you got there's always some comeback on it. No one had a comeback on that. So then I realized it must be a rare profession. And if there's a part, I had a delusional moment when I thought to myself, the universe is so amazing... Everyone's going to want to study the universe. 
So then there'd be no room for me to study it. Then I realized most people don't even know it's something to study. Right. And so I felt fortunate that I had that kind of exposure at that time in my life. Because it also requires that you're good at science, right? You I wouldn't put be... it that way. It requires that you need a commitment to study and learn science. The way you said that, it's as though you're either good or you're not. Well, there are plenty of things I was not good at that I studied hard because I wanted to be good at it. Like what? Um, when I first encountered calculus, for example. I was in high school, and I remembered the calculus. This is, this is a, a pivotal moment in my life. For those who don't otherwise know, calculus is more harder compared with algebra than algebra is compared with arithmetic. Okay? So it's not just slightly more. It's like other stuff is happening conceptually, philosophically, representationally. It invokes half the Greek alphabet in addition to the regular letters you know about in your own alphabet. And I had this calculus book given on the first week of class. And you open up to the front flap, and there's a list of equations. And on the back flap, equations fill both sides of the page. And I looked at it and I say, I don't know what I'm looking at. These squiggly lines, nothing made any sense at all. And I said, I will never be good at this. I'll never be an astrophysicist. This is the end. And I said, well, let me just try. So week after week, I would learn more calculus. What was your process? Because there was no Google, no YouTube. No, no, no Google. No... Right, right. But I, I didn't know there was no Google. There was just no Google, right? It's right. not like other people had Google and I didn't. No, no. Right. So I'm just Today saying. Today kids can go to YouTube. No, and... I just started reading the pages and rereading them and practicing and practicing some more. And I got a supplemental book to help. The equivalent of t today would be Calculus for Dummies. I found other calculus books to help you do this. And as the days went by and the weeks, the fog dissipated. And one by one, those equations became real to me. I say, hey, I need that equation to solve this. Hey, I know what that means. There's a squiggly line. I love that squiggly line. And that was lesson for me that in life, a first encounter with something, no matter how intractable it may seem in that moment, if you care about it, should not be what stops you or reverses you in your tracks. In fact, why don't you use it as an excuse to double down on how much energy you want to invest in it. Mm. And what is it that people do in college? You take a class that's easy so that you can boost your GPA. Well, wait a minute. Then when you graduate, you've taken classes that other people have taken that also got high scores in. So now how am I going to distinguish you from the others? I can't because you all took easy classes. It's when you take the hard class. Why is it hard? Because not as many people take it. It's harder Statistics, to do well yeah. in it. Yeah. So as you take harder and harder classes, you ascend a pyramid. And by the time you're done, you look around, you say, and no one else is around you because you've achieved things that others have not without regard to your GPA. And people then beat a path, people then beat a path to your door because you can solve problems that others can't even dream of. You are talking about the elusive uh, key to success. But the thing most people aren't willing to do is to keep going when it's hard. And that is something that is not encoded in your GPA, okay? It is grit. It is what happens if you fail, will you come back stronger than you were before? There's the that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's kind of true, all right? And provided you return to it and stay at it. Go to any successful person and say, tell me about your failures. They'll talk your ear off for days about all their failures.
All right, tell me about one of your failures. Well, one of my well, so part part of it was, I had all these extra activities in school, so I was. This is uh, at Bronx Science. Um, Bronx Science, but also at, at Harvard. Yeah, I was a performing member of a dance company. What? Uh, wait, wait, back also, up, back up. Like, what, what? What kind of dance? Were you Barishnikov with the with the thing? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, I was not in the Bolshoi. Okay. No, no, but it, you know, I still have some. Why do you know the name of that? What Bolshoi? The Bolshoi. I okay. can still. Uh, no, I know you no, got. No, I... Is he living? I need to, somebody get this on film. So, were you doing ballet? Were you? There's a little bit of ballet, show tunes. In a... You jazz hands. J- jazz hands. Okay. Um, and also some Afro-Caribbean, which will throw your lower back out if you're not ready for that. Well, because, a lot of, yeah, because you, know, you need to have some rhythm in your, in your in, lower region. In the, in the lower back. So I did all of this when really I should have been studying. I really should have. So my grades were not. No, wait, well, don't they tell you to have a well, you have to be a balanced human being, Neil deGrasse Tyson, you have to have uh, all these Not these if you're competing things. with people where your grades will matter, right? Okay. So they're telling me your grades matter. But I'm saying, but I like doing all these other things. So I chose to do all the other things, which rounded me out in interesting ways relative to others, which in my adult life, I have no regrets for having done. But at the time, that's a hard choice to make because everyone's telling you you need the high grades. So, uh, in fact, one point I was even on probation in college at Harvard. Yeah, yeah, I was on academic. Pro- what for, was I, your GPA? Uh, no, for, it's not. It's what it was in that moment, not the okay, total. Right. So I had some low grades, uh, the C and a D, in a couple of classes. And what? What was your D? Well, here's here's. Let me say. Let me. I should have given a preamble to this. Okay. You ready? At no time did any teacher. At any grade in my life, say, he'll go far. How about that guy Tyson over in the third row? He'll go far. No. You weren't the most likely to succeed. Never. Why? Because the metric for assessing that in our system is, what is your GPA? And you can ask anybody older than 30, when was the last time somebody asked you your GPA? And you won't even remember. No one care, No one gives a rat's ass. What do they care about? Are you moral? Are you a hard worker? Are you a problem solver? Do people um, respect you? Do all these other factors that actually matter in the workplace. But after your first job, no one cares. And no one even asks. And so there was no teacher who would ever say something. And I'll probably write this up one day. The, the educational trajectory of Neil deGrasse Tyson so people can understand what I've been through and why and what the consequences were for having done so so what so what happens I do these other things that were not encoded in the GPA all right so I was captain of my wrestling team and I was editor-in-chief for the physical science journal at the Bronx High School of Science and I and I had a photography studio at home I converted the bathroom with no windows into a dark room and I had back when you had to Yes, develop actually, your own yeah, thing. Put it in that I did all this, and I, you know, I did research off the coast of Northwest Africa, observing a total solar eclipse on a scholarship when I was fourteen. Yes, I did this. I walked dogs to make money and bought telescopes and cameras and film and darkroom equipment. What kind of dogs? Any dog that would live. Any in the dog building. in the yeah, area. Yeah, one was a Samoyed. One, um, yeah, just okay. uh, yeah. So, so well, because I lived in an apartment building. And nobody wanted to walk their dogs. So I, it, was, it was 50 cents per dog per walk. Oh. Adds up very quickly. Back then, that was serious money. All right. So I'm just saying, I did all of this. Does that show up in the classroom? No. 
No, yeah, in fact, I have. It does though. No, excuse me. I have that my my I have a little book called Neil's School Years, where every year of school you put in your report card. Yes, and, and all the I thing. have that too. You got that too. So there it is. I go back and I have the report card. Neil needs to cultivate a more serious attitude towards his schoolwork. Neil needs less social involvement and more academic diligence is in order. Those are exact quotes. This goes on and on and on. I had social energy that was deemed bad for education. I wasn't actively disruptive, I just had social energy, all right? So that was considered bad. So what is a good student? One that shuts up, that obeys the teacher, and who gets high grades. Oh, they'll go far. It, so is so, the, so, is, so is the expectation. You look in actual society at entrepreneurs, at, 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 at um, artists, at uh, performers, comedians, journalists. Go to ads. Hey, did you get straight A's? There's a, no, of course not. Especially the ones who dropped out of college because they had an idea that they wanted to pursue. Mm. Like Bill Gates. Like, like Michael Dell. Mm. Like Zuckerberg. Like all of them. I'm screaming at you, sorry, yeah, no, but you no, got me started No, you're not screaming at here. me, you're screaming at the mic. How, how you, you screaming at the people. Started here. That's right, Neil deGrasse Tyson. New we got book. an audience here, how y'all yeah. doing? Uh, I've been positing, I don't know if that's the right use of that, but I'm gonna use it because use. it makes sense, that our education system is flawed from its core and that we are not training people how to think, how to be good citizens, human beings, how to have humanity, how to live in this world. We're teaching them how to regurgitate information that they've been indoctrinated into learning, but that's not intelligence. Yeah, so the, the system is, it's, it assumes you're an empty vessel that you want to fill with information rather than um, a kindling that you want to then ignite and start a fire of, of curiosity and of uh, searching for wisdom and knowledge i in in the book in the letters from an astrophysicist i spent a fair amount of my effort guiding people through what science is and how and why it works to empower them to think in ways that apparently has not been taught in school is it too late and how do we un, how do we fix this because it's a system it's a behemoth it's not too late if the person who has these ideas Let's take a flat earther, for example. It's not too late if there's, there's they still say, those? If, they, <laughs> if they if they say to themselves, I think Earth is flat for these reasons, but I wonder if I'm wrong. Let's find out. That's a different kind of person from the Earth is flat and everyone else is a conspiracy against it. I don't you can't do much with folks like that. But that's where we seem to be. Yes. And so I've tweeted before on that very topic, and here's what I said. I said the rise of flat earthers in modern society is evidence of two things. One, that we live in a country that protects free speech. Oh. Two, that we have a failed education system. <laughs> so do I go around beat them on the head if after the fact? No, you want to go back and fix the educational system. Then you will never have to address that issue going forward. Because you you taught people how to understand what evidence is, what, what data mean, uh, data are plural. I didn't think you were you saw what I was doing there. I okay. think you were doing bad grammar on this show. Okay. I will, but you should I did do a more better on you, though. Yeah, you did do more better, and I let that slide because I'm not here to uh, correct Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> Listen, and here's how I also feel. This is not my natural tongue, all right? My ancestors were brought... No, I'm just playing. But the, the reality is language evolves. You know, every day of they're course. adding new words to the lexicon. And, and I, got how a, we... I, got, I got a new word, 
entered into the Oxford English Dictionary. What was it? Uh, what, it was like a week ago. Was it conversate? Because that word pissed me off when it went it in. It is so not conversate. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what is the word, Neil deGrasse Tyson? Uh, it's my first word ever in the Oxford English Dictionary. It was just announced two weeks ago. Uh, it's it's Manhattan Henge. Manhattan Henge. Is that one word? It's or one, is it one word, Manhattan Henge. And it is the two days of the year where the sun sets exactly on the Manhattan grid. Oh. And so when you take pictures of it across the island, it, you see the vertical buildings, very tall and mighty, and the sun radiating yes. through, illuminating both the north and the south side of the street simultaneously. So I first posted a photo of that. In fact, it's on my, uh, it's the landing okay. screen on my cell phone. Is it on, okay. Yeah, oh, just I so I, I'll just okay. show you. So there's oh. Manhattan Henge. Okay. And it's a, so it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful moment. And all other reasons that people have for blocking traffic, like Con Ed is digging a hole, or right? now we can block traffic for a cosmic event, and now and thousands now, of people pour. And into now the we streets. have a word for it because of you. It's a word for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm more proud that people are blocking traffic. Actually, <laughs> for... you're, you're so irreverent. <laughs> but anyway, I... so you were saying something about the Big Bang, and then you changed the subject. Oh no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I have not forgotten. Okay, because good. It, it is, it is core forget. and central to my very essence. Um, okay, I'll get back to it. Get, we get had a conversation. You said. All right, because I believe in God. I believe that there is a higher power. I believe that we didn't come here by accident. I believe that math, science, all that definitely happened. Fibonacci, the golden ratio. I believe in all of that. But so do at least a dozen letters in this book are people coming from exactly that posture. Okay. Asking about how science fits into that. Right, because Mm -hmm. the human connection makes no sense other than, and, and life and earth and the pomegranate and the seashell, and there's a perfect symmetry to everything. You can't tell me it was just some random event that just happened, and now we're here. We're the only space that we know of that have people that look like you and me and all of these beautiful faces in the room. And while I think the human experiment is failing right now, we can fix it. Now, you have a different view. And so I asked you, you said, Big Bang, blah, blah, blah. It needed a catalyst. So I asked you, what was the catalyst? What's the answer? Uh, we don't know yet. It's a frontier of science. It's God! All right. Thank you. I'm done with the interview. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I, what, you have to be careful because what you just did was take the frontier of science, mm-hmm. look beyond it right. where science has yet to tread. Where no man has ever gone. And <laughs> no, mind has, gone no mind has resolved. And you've assigned that to God. Right. Because throughout history, we've assigned to God a host of things, like why the sun comes up and sets. And Correct. All, yeah. The history of that exercise does not bode well for you because the moving frontier of science, at any given moment, there were your counterparts at that time that said, this is God. Right. My, my yeah. single favorite quote of all time is exactly that. If you go back to Claudius Ptolemy, he wrote a book called Almagest, which is the crowning achievement of the geocentric universe. He bet on the wrong horse, but he did it so interestingly that he spawned a thousand years of research after it. He was looking at the planets move across the, the background sky. They would slow down, stop. They go backwards, retrograde. And then they go forwards again. This was a mystery. It was such a mystery to him. He did exactly what you just did. He invoked his religion. Mm-hmm. In a statement, okay, it was invoked as God. Right, it was. I'm not. I don't. I don't do that's it. fine. It was when I trace at my pleasure the windings to and fro of the heavenly bodies. 
I no longer touch earth with my feet. I stand in the presence of Zeus himself and take my fill of ambrosia. That's Ptolemy. What he just did was assign deity. His religion were Greek gods. Mm -hmm. He, we call it mythology today. Right. It was their religion. Right. Okay? Um, uh, he assigned Greek gods the power of operating in a place that we have yet to fully understand. Newton comes along and says, well, I got equations here, and the Earth goes around right. the sun, not vice versa, and we can predict this. And people came up to Newton and said, Newton, you're not leaving anything left for God to do. Right. This, they said it jokingly, but it was how brilliant he was to figure this out. Are you prepared in the future to have a full explanation of what was around before I the am. Big Bang? I If you am. are, I am. then you're probably going to also say, then you're just explaining God's handiwork. That's fine. It's just odd that you went there. To explain it, you didn't say, here's a rock. Isn't that beautiful? It's God's handiwork. You didn't go to the rock. No. You didn't go to the, I did not. You, didn't, you didn't go to the virus that is causing um, disease. Mm -hmm. You didn't go to the cancer in the leukemia in children. Mm -hmm. You didn't go to the underbelly of the tarantula. Mm -hmm. You didn't go to the parasite that reduces people's lives. I did not. You didn't go to the, 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 earthquake that creates the tsunami that kills a quarter million people you didn't go to any of those places you went to before the universe and you said god therefore god exists i'm simply saying that if you're going to assess the world for the handiwork of god mm -hmm. and you want to be honest about that assessment you need to bring it all in the ugly stuff as well as the beautiful stuff i think i i think we need to make it simple i think people complicate it I think that we share breath, right? We share breath. Yes, we do. All right. With uh, each other and with all who have ever lived before us. Exactly. Yes. And, and that in and of itself is an everlasting life that people don't... Uh, eh, ah. Was there a moment that you believed? Was there a moment in young Neil deGrasse Tyson's life that he believed that there was a God? I believed there was a God not on my own paths of thought, but because I was persistently told that was the case by nuns and priests. You went to Catholic school before? No, no, just no. I, you go to church on the weekends. Your, your I was mom raised, was Raised Hispanic, early Catholic. Right. She's Hispanic Catholic, right. yes. And uh, religion was not a big force at home. We basically had a secular home with religion practice as a weekend ritual. And Christmas and Easter. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the holidays, ashes and palms, as they mm -hmm. say. Uh, so... So, but you believe it because that's what you're told. You're not given other options. And then by the time I was like in third grade, the things were not making much sense to eight me. Eight years old. You yeah, it was about eight. Oh, yeah. And they said, God sees you no matter what. Well, I said, suppose I hide in a hallway. Will he see me? And I just started reasoning this through and just wasn't making sense. Because the time I was nine, I discovered the universe, or the universe discovered me. And it really, I, I, I found it un unreconcilable mm. at that point. I'm, I'm reading Baldwin, The Fire Next Time, and he's, you know, going through his journey away from, you know, because he was a pastor. Away I did from, not know that. Yeah, he was wow. a young preacher, and he goes through that moment when he stopped believing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, it's just the connection, the human connection that is inexplicable outside of, and the things that happen that can't be explained is not about the science of it all or the, the stars I, I, and all. it's about the connection i'm not telling you what to believe or what not to believe what i'm telling you is if you're going to say if you're going to find something on earth that is beautiful and is good and use that as evidence for god 
I'm saying, what about the stuff that's not beautiful and that's not good? Mm. Have you thought about yeah. that as well? Mm -hmm. I, I, I would be, I would not be a responsible person in this conversation if I didn't bring that to your attention. I wasn't talking about beauty or not. So, so you can say, I love the God made the world with all its warts and everything else. Then I, then I have no, I have no comment yeah. on that. In, in the uh, poison sometimes is the anecdote, right? Um, so yeah, it depends. Know. It depends on the poison, but right. yes, uh huh. All right, we're gonna move on from this conversation because I clearly cannot uh, proselytize and and convert. No, I'm just, and I'm not trying Neil deGrasse Tyson because I think, you know, what what I would love for us to do because I think people in their doctrine and their re religious ideology mm -hmm. uh, put people in bondage around the things that they believe, like the Earth is flat, and if you don't believe that, we're gonna kill you because that's well, that's, that's kind of the space tribalism. that we're in, right? I mean, it's, it's tribalism crazy. manifested through religion, right? And uh, there's a saying from Seneca, I think it was. Uh, um, I have to paraphrase it, but this is what it, it goes. Um, to the philosopher, religion is false. To the common man, religion is true. To the politician, religion is convenient. Mm, I see what you did with how that. Do, how do you control the masses? I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. All right, so listen. <laughs> letters from an astrophysicist. What was the impetus for this book? Because I had done these many, letters. You've done many, many, many I, books. I had, thanks for a great question. I had the letters. I mean, I'd spent 10 years with an open email address, and I received thousands of emails. Some of them are traditional questions of just science, and I have staff that would reply to those. I'd farm it out, and they and they would sign it under their own names so that they said, so Neil couldn't do it, but I'm doing it. They created their own pen pals. But others, people reply to things I've said or done or posted that affected them personally. And then they wrote in with those questions. So as I've said, as many as 10, 10, possibly a dozen of the letters in there, which is a tenth of the total volume, there's 101 letters in the book, are religious people asking questions about reconciling science and God. And, and so I, I try to go where they are in the conversation. When they just say Jesus is my savior, I'll say I don't I don't have fine. Right. Where do you live? Do you live in a country where that's constitutionally okay. protected? Right. Then we're good with right. that. Right. Right. Uh, there's not a, no issue. Is you know the Sermon on the Mount. This is these are beautiful words of how to treat people, and it's uh, that's fine. For but if you're going to go in the Old Testament and say there was an Adam and Eve, I'm not going to take that away from you either. But you should not have the freedom to force that into a science classroom. Because with the methods and tools of science, we can show that to be objectively false. And that I agree with. Okay, and enlightened religious people know this. And this would include, you look at the, the encyclical by the, the, the current pope, it has highly scientifically literate content in it with regard, among other things, to climate change and evolution. Okay? It's only when you reach the fundamentalist practices of religion where people butt heads against the moving frontier of science. Because what is happening is their very identity was built on this thing. On the inerrancy of their Right. Of so their so holy now you text. take it away, who are they? I don't you know, have to Tony take it Mark away. No, but I'm saying if if they have to go down that path and it is proven that they are wrong, then the entirety of their lives is in jeopardy. So most people in that situation are gonna hunker down and double down on the error instead of Say, I my whole life has been a lie. Scientists are not knocking down the Sunday school door. Not even atheists do that. That's a sacred place. You can teach whatever you want in your Sunday school. It becomes a conflict when that 
community of fundamentalists start knocking down the science school door. The scientists are not knocking down their door. So this is a, not a the, symmetric. Leave the science alone. It is. It's not a symmetric road. So that explain. Is, that explain is being taken. On, on this same. Oh, path. by the way, by the way, I'm not even saying God didn't make the universe. I'm saying we don't have any evidence to say anything about what was around before the Big Bang. That's all I'm saying. I'm not taking listen, that away from you. Listen. So on this <laughs> on this path. Yeah. So, uh, science of climate. Similar to this religion thing. See, I'm, I'm going where people are saying we're not in a, a climate crisis. What do you say to that, Neil deGrasse Tyson? We have young girls, uh, Greta Thunberg, out there getting people into the uh, streets. Here's, here's how to think about it. Please. Let's say you have some ailment and you go to a doctor. Mm -hmm. And the doctor has, I have this pill that 3% of studies say will cure your ailment. Now, this other pill that 97% of studies say will cure your ailment. Which one shall I prescribe for you? You're going to take the 97% pill. Most smart, sane people. Of course. Right. Of course you will. Well, 97 plus percent of research studies all point in the same direction that humans are warming the earth catastrophically and it will not bode well for low-lying regions of the world, including Florida and whole countries in the South Pacific, and because you melt glaciers that have been sitting on land for tens of thousands of years, now you're going to reintroduce it to the oceans? Do you realize if you melted the ice caps of Greenland and Antarctica, the ocean levels will rise to the point of the Statue of Liberty's left elbow? Wow. You will flood every coastal city, which was built there on the stability of 10,000 years of climate that has been roughly constant because you put cities on water's edge for commerce, for transportation, for other the things that make civilization, that made civilization possible, that carved civilization. So to have people say, well, there are two sides to the climate change argument are the two sides to the pill that you're going to be prescribed to. You're going to make that decision for your own health. And now you're not going to make that decision for the health of the future of civilization itself? Are you really going to put civilization in jeopardy just because it doesn't align with your political or cultural system of values? That is the beginning of the end of an informed democracy. It's, a, it's, it's the beginning of the end of civilization as we've come to know it. So the world is going to end because it doesn't seem like politically people are going to... No, it won't end. It'll just be very different. We'll, we'll okay. lose all of so our we coastal move, cities. move into we'll, the inland, buy property on the inland. Yeah, if you live in Colorado, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> Middle of America. Hey, there's going to be beachfront property. If you live in, in mountain time right. zone, you are you're not going to get... You're, okay. You are right. so... So New York is toast. You are so good. By the way, just to... You, you mentioned Jesus a few moments ago. In, in the book, I have letters from Christians as well as Jews and... Buddhists and Muslims. Oh. So there's, uh, I, but none are animists that I know, for example. If you want to look at sort of uh, religions that get um, media attention for whatever's going on in the world. So, so while more of them are from Christians than from other religions, I'm just saying there's still the diversity of belief systems represented in there. All right. That's in letters from an astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Last question. Did you ever think that you were going to be famous studying the stars? No, I didn't. You know, when you're an actor, you say, well, I want to be famous one day. Right. And I, for me, I just want to be as good as I can be at what I do 
and the attention came after that fact. Do you like the attention? I don't. I don't value judge it for whether I like it or I don't. I judge it by whether I have succeeded as best I can. So, so it just is. If I go around saying, "Well, I enjoyed that," or "I didn't enjoy that," then I'd be choosing what to do based on whether I enjoyed it. When in fact, when I interact with the public, I I do it because it's duty and it's passion. And and and, if, and there are things that I do where if I didn't, I would feel irresponsible for not having done it because I can make a change in people's understanding of the physical universe where you now have to make an informed decision at a next election or over some policy that's being debated. And your future, excuse me, the future of students or the yet to be born, we have borrowed the earth from their future. And we, and, and whoever I can share objective truth with where they can become empowered to make informed decisions about the future of the country, of nations, and of civilization itself, I would be irresponsible if I didn't engage that. And at no time am I judging whether I enjoy it or whether I don't. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me.